0: hey guys if you're listening to this when it like first comes out then good morning but um yeah um, <laughs> um this is the Flora's lava podcast my name is Liv. if you haven't tuned into the first episode because because this, this is the second one um you might want to do that because this might not make sense to you otherwise but you know feel free to do whatever order you feel would be best but as the person recording this I feel you should probably just go in order because it's part of the same story from last week um so yeah um last week we were reading I was reading um the book I wrote called last six um today's chapter chapter two is shorter so I don't know if I'm gonna mix the next chapter in but then i don't think i'm gonna do that actually (sighs) should i Mm, okay um because like i feel like then it'd be too long and you know i feel like we'd all rather listen for 20 minutes rather than 35 so yeah that's yeah um okay cool so Chapter Two. Should I feel, remind you guys what happened last week? I feel like I should. So we last left Devi um being stalked by her best friend, Luke's active ghost, and Rebecca and Sean have basically been at her side the entire time after everyone died, and like you know, trying to help her find some form of normal and you know Jamie went to school so it's on Monday this is Monday um, like in the book it's Monday and Jamie has just come back from school so let's start there chapter 2 when she oh, wow that was a really bad start let's try again <laughs> when Jamie got back from school she asked whose place we were currently crashing in it took her 3 days to notice that you know she's never been here before. This place is amazing! Jamie exclaimed a bit too enthusiastically, so I could tell that she doesn't actually appreciate the extent of how awesome this mansion is, but who could blame her? Her parents just died. How come Aunt Liz never told me about this place? My sister said, awestruck. Joel walked into the room at that moment and asked why Jamie had her jaw on the floor. I let her tell him what I just told her. I thought she lived in an apartment. She asked in Joel's general direction as she admired what was all over the walls. I figured she was just trying to distract herself from reality because... Wouldn't you rather look at a pretty painting than be lost in your dark thoughts about how everyone's dead? So I entertained her. I smiled my fake smile and got Solomon to help me show them around. They both chose their own rooms and got settled in. I poured Solomon a glass of vodka with a splash of soda at at his request, Jamie and Joel still in their rooms. Then I poured myself a glass of orange juice and a shot of vodka when he wasn't looking. Solomon grabbed a bowl and poured some snacks into it. We got into the living room and watched some news as we ate our snacks. Afterwards, Sala left, refusing my offer to stay for dinner. I guess he needed some time alone too. At 7pm, my phone rang. D, we have a problem, Solomon's grave voice declared when I answered. What is it? I asked, worry pumping pumping in my bloodstream, getting me to full alert when my brain registered that he wasn't talking about the massacre. Someone broke into my house, Solomon sounded worry but on the verge of rage. How do you know? I questioned, partly hoping he was being paranoid. The place is completely trashed, he yelled. And I think whoever did this is trying to send some sort of message. He continued. What do you mean, message? Well, for starters, there's blood all over my walls, and the living room says something. I just can't make it out. And there's something on the walls in my room as well. I'm on my way. I hung up before he could argue. I told Joel I was heading out. I grabbed my motorcycle and was gone. I rode at 80, sometimes 90 miles per hour. Using the back roads that I know so well. I rode on the quiet side of the area. On roads hardly anyone else knew. Or had long forgotten about. There's hardly any streetlights out here, but I didn't I never cared much about that. I just kept my full lights on. I enjoyed I enjoyed the wind and the quiet. I was finally able to breathe in what felt like forever. There was no police questioning me, no one crowding me. But I didn't have time to fully relax. Solomon needed my help. And he'd mentioned blood. Due to my reckless speeds, I was there in less than twenty minutes in what should have been a forty-five-minute drive. When I when I arrived, I could already tell something was wrong. Not only because the door was hanging on the frame with a single hinge, but something felt off. The fact that the streetlight's glow didn't quite reach Solomon's doorstep did nothing to help my bad feeling. I slid inside, not wanting to touch anything, or get my fingerprints on anything. The first thing I saw, and smelt, was the blood. When Solomon had said there was blood on every wall, he hadn't been kidding. The chairs and tables were broken. And so were some of the fine china that Lizzie had gotten Solomon on some anniversary. I sent Solo a text saying, I'm inside, so he wouldn't jump me. He sent a text telling me that he was in his room, which meant he was in his office, which was on the other side of the house from his actual bedroom. I just chalked that up to Solomon being his normal paranoid self. I'll be speaking in code. I went to him in absolute silence. When I reached the door, I typed in the code, letting the finger scanner identify me. The lock clicked and the door swung open. You got here quick. Solomon said, not bothering to look at me. Please tell me you didn't listen to me and you actually installed security cameras. I half-questioned, even though I knew the answer to that, or at least suspected it. "'I guess you're not always right, are you?' Solomon replied sarcastically with a sigh. "'Hey, I did suggest you get thermal cameras, didn't I?' I responded automatically, depending myself. "'Yeah, and that's the footage I've been trying to study ever since I called you.' I walked up behind him and watched the footage from over his shoulder, the door automatically closing as I moved away from it. "'Speaking of which, did you call the cops?' I questioned and worried. If Solomon had contacted the police, then we wouldn't have any time to analyze the blood, check for fingerprints, carefully inspect the heat masses on the screen, anything. And my problem with the cops isn't that they're incompetent. No, they're decent enough. And with a massacre of this scale, they're actually paying attention. But when the cops know more, people know more and when more people know, well, it just ruins the element of surprise. What I'm basically saying is, I don't intend to let the cops be the ones to catch this person. They ruined the life that I had been born into, been so comfortably taking for granted. Awakening me to this cruel, harsh reality where, yeah, sure, I still had some of my support team, but nothing was anywhere near the same. I'd rather have the first-hand information anyway, which cops always seem unwilling to share, especially since I'm 16. Nope, you're the only one I've contacted, Solomon said, not taking his eyes off the computer screen. Aww, now I feel special. I replied, still watching the images, while putting on gloves. "'What is that?' I questioned, slipping on the second glove. "'What's what?' Solomon asked in confusion. "'Right there!' I responded, pointing to the screen after he rewound the tape and played it in slow motion. "'I don't know. I haven't really looked around,' Solomon confessed. "'Well, may I suggest you do that now, see if anything is missing, then take some samples of every blood sample on every wall?' When I'm done here, I'll my hand in the direction of the computer. I'll come and help you, but we must hurry. Jamie Jamie was extremely worried when I told Joel I was heading out so late tonight. I mean, yeah, sure, it's almost nine, but that's not really late. That's what I tried to tell her, I responded as I took the footage back to the beginning of the day. I got a notepad and a pen to take down notes of anything that caught my eye. Solomon left the room, and I set off to work in the silent office. The place reminded me of the laboratory of a mad scientist. A very neat, but obviously mad, scientist. I had a few computers and laptops scattered around the room, some large devices here and there. But my favorite thing about the room was the tile floor and ceiling that threw the light around. I don't know, it's just always been one of my happy places. After watching the first five minutes, I realized the sound had been muted. Why would Solomon turn off the sound? I wondered in my head. Then again, he is paranoid. When I finished, I had some very interesting things to share with Solomon. Just when I was about to get up, I got a message on my phone from him. It was a text of some of the blood samples. Well, not really a text, but you get it. I hooked my phone up to the computer and shared the ma- the matches. I put two samples in first, then figured that his computers could take more. I switched computers every ten or so samples, not willing to overload the machines, even though I knew they could at- easily take thirty. All four computers in the office were running to the searches from every wall that Solomon had collected so far. Then I moved on to the two laptops, after which I went out of the office to help Solomon collect the rest of the samples. We hooked up the samples to a machine specially, specially designed to search and match blood types, one of the larger devices in Solomon's room, or lab, whatever, now he has me doing it, talking in riddles. The only problem with the machine was that the blood had to put in directly, which means which meant that we couldn't use our phones to transfer the data. Solomon had specifically designed our phones so that they could take in samples of things and find out what they were made from. And like share the information to each other. I suspected that the reason his blood matchy machine was so large was because it did things that he wasn't willing to share with me exactly what they were as soon as we finished with the blood we started looking for prints we split up to cover more ground but we stayed on the same floor of the huge two-story basically mansion which was basically a mansion we met up in in his room him searching the bathroom as i did the actual room that's when I saw the writing on the wall opposite Solomon's bed written in blood at first I couldn't read it but I looked closer and I could tell that some of the words were written backwards and so were some of the letters which is what was making it seem like it was in a different language after I figured that out I began reading out loud writing it down as I went along making sure I didn't make any mistakes it stated that there was a bomb in the house and it was about to blow so that was the end of the chapter. Um, this isn't even 20 minutes long, and I have like some mistakes that I'm gonna edit out, so it's gonna be even shorter. I didn't have to tell you guys because it's already gonna be edited, but whatever. Um, I could rant for five minutes, but that's not what you guys are here for. And again, I don't think the next chapter is long enough to qualify, but let's, we'll find out. And. If it's added, then clearly, but if it's not, then, yeah. Okay, guys, um, that was the next chapter. Devi just cannot catch a break because, you know, life sucks. Um, <laughs> not all the time. Always remember that the glass is not just half empty. But anyways, um, yeah, so the next chapter will obviously be about Devi and Solomon dealing with the bomb in the house. Um, so yeah, if you guys haven't listened to the first episode, go back and do that so that this can make sense to you. Um, yeah, let me know what you guys think so far. That'd be great. Bye. Oh, I should probably, it's fine. You guys are fine. Bye. Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of the Floor is Lava podcast. My name is Liv. We are reading last six. So um, I'm still getting used to like talking into my phone. Sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy and I'm just like, shh, shh, it's okay. It's okay. You're doing it for other people. It's like, am I? Anyways, that was our daily ramble. But um, let's remind ourselves where we last left Devi so dev is in solomon's house and she just decoded a cryptic message that was on the wall chapter three as soon as i read that i called for solomon to come to my side i've never seen him move so fast maybe i should put hysteria into my voice more often what is it he questioned full of worry there's a bomb i whispered no there isn't Don't you think it would have gone off by now? He sounded unsure of himself. No? I mean, I, I don't know, but you said there was another note in the living room? I questioned my mind, trying desperately to wrap itself around the situation. I was unaware that I had been slowly inching towards the door until my hand was resting on the black wooden frame. Yeah, but we have to stay close to each other just in case we still have uninvited guests. Solomon replied as we walked out of the room in a rush. There's no one here but you and me. I saw them both leave the house. Both? I'll explain later. Right now, we need to find the bomb. Even if we do, do you know how to disable it? Solomon questioned, knowing very well that I wouldn't be able to do so. Halting his tracks, he grabbed my arm, forcing me to do the same. I half turned facing him, giving him a look that clearly stated, Let go, or else. He let me go, and I continued my walk towards the living room. That's not the point, I reasoned, facing, finally reaching the living room, facing the writing. Pulling out the notepad, I noticed the pattern that had been used in the earlier message upstairs. This one was a riddle. The answer will either lead us to the bomb, or another clue. The riddle read, when once the earth was still unsafe then came the death of all you love now tis your turn if you are not too late it's hidden in the place where good news once came ignoring the obvious lack of talent I questioned where did you get the best news in the whole compound the time the time reference in the riddle making me anxious um guess that would be in the bathroom? On this floor. The one in the guest wing. He said the sentence in bits, like he was trying to force his mind not to relive the memory. Why there? I questioned as gently as I could manage. That's where I was when Livvy fir- when Liz first agreed to go out with me. He replied softly. I could tell he was thinking about her. The way his face softened, smoothing away the creases in his forehead that appeared after that day. With distress lines gone, he looked his age, only a decade older than me. Oh I said softly after giving him a moment of silence to reminisce. Solomon blushed and looked away. You have to find this bomb. Drawing him out of his memories and pushing us to the present issue at large, we ran to the bathroom. I'll get the shower, you check the room. I stated already doing as I said. That was so lame. No, we're not splitting up. If there is a bomb... Actually, I think we should get out of here before we're blown to bits, Solomon said, worry and parental authority thick in his voice, and his head clearly defogged. Like you said, it hasn't gone off yet, I replied. I didn't know how to explain my gut feeling to him. It's not like we had much time. How much time do we even have? The voice in my head quivered slightly, mimicking the tone of my last comment to Solomon. But it could go off at any second. His voice hit a higher pitch than normal, bordering hysteria. Yet it hasn't! I half exclaimed, my pitch rivaling his. Something in me was telling me to look for the bomb, so at least we'd know how much longer before time ran out. Or maybe it was my suicidal tendencies that picked up after everyone died. Either way, I was getting to the bomb. I ran to the bathroom on the first floor and straight into the... I I ran into the bedroom on the first floor and straight to the bathroom. When I had been watching the video in the lab earlier, I saw someone enter it and do something to the shower and toilet. Solomon raced after me, only steps behind. What makes you think it's in there? he asked, leaning on the doorframe slightly annoyed with the fact that I wasn't listening to his reason. I saw someone come in here. I confessed. Want any help? Solomon offered the longing in his voice to get us out of the building safely so thick in his voice I wanted to tell him that it would all be okay. But the truth was, I wasn't so sure that we'd make it out alive. No thanks, I replied, moving from the sink to the shower. I searched the outside then moved onto the toilet. If he helped, then one of us was bound to set it off accidentally. Plus, I work better alone, which I am not perpetually am, I guess. You're not going to check inside? I didn't respond. I looked at the top of the toilet and lifted the lid, and I saw a small remote. For some strange reason, I was tempted to flush, so I did. If I had to guess, I would say the remote controlled the bomb. Before all the water drained out, I took the toilet brush and slid it under the control. The second the brush touched the water, it began to shrivel, as if it didn't want to touch it. Making sure the remote didn't fall off the toilet brush, I moved it upwards away from the acid liquid. The remote was in a clear bag, I assumed so it wouldn't melt like the bottom half of the brush had. It must be lined with something. The front of the remote was blinking green. I think we should try and keep the light green. Solomon stated. I nodded. Laying there on a towel, I opened the bag, still wearing gloves, and the light suddenly started flashing red. Run! Solomon shouted, but my feet refused to move. When Solomon was inside the hallway, he realized I wasn't behind him and ran back. I said run! He came up to me and grabbed my arm so he could pull me as he began to take off once more, but I resisted, both of us only moving a step. What are you doing? Doing, Solomon yelled at me. There's a note. I managed to yell back when my body realized there was no immediate threat and allowed me to speak once more. My mind was able to grasp that the red light didn't mean the mo- that the bomb was about to blow, and there was a note in the bag. Under the remote, the note was calling for me to read it. What? Solomon questioned, his voice filling with concern as he forgot to tug on my arm. I yanked my hand free while he was still paralyzed with confusion, like the fear that had frozen my every muscle when I thought the bomb was about to explode for that one millisecond. I pulled out the note in one swift motion so that the remote barely moved, a trick Joel had taught me. The note was written in ink this time instead of blood, but the words were written in the same manner as the two prior messages, simply more complex. Some letters were backwards like before, some upside down, and the full words either way, sometimes both. Decoding this message took slightly more time, but I still did it. It read, if green then I'm good, if red then you're late. A very small part of me was relieved, I'm not the reason the remote had turned red. What is that supposed to mean? Solomon half whispered, as if his voice was running away. Then he asked again, his voice in full force. Though the question wasn't directed at me, I whispered, I don't know. I found myself inside the shower looking around. At first I didn't know what I was looking for, or how I got there. Did I run to the shower? Did I simply walk? The the answers to these questions will forever remain unclear. The next thing I knew, my hands were slightly gliding over, first the tiled surface of the interior, then the shower head, then the slope slot. <coughs> I was about to move to the floor when I felt a slight bump on the bottom of the slope slot. I bent down to get a better look. What is it? questioned Solomon, who had resumed leaning against the door frame. our bomb. It was much smaller than I had expected, but my thoughts slammed to a halt when what I said got Solomon to move to my side at lightning speed. Like seriously, one second he was halfway inside the bathroom and halfway out, then the next he was by my side in the small shower that was sized for one at a time. Let me see, he half commanded. I tried squeezing myself against the further side but that didn't help much it was kind of like Solomon seemed to just notice how small the shower was and stepped out so that I could give him more space I walked out of the bathroom and entered the bedroom and sat on the bed we had 20 minutes so that's the end of that chapter chapter four will be next week usual time yeah yeah See you guys there. Don't forget to send in your comments telling me how awesome I am. LOL, Um <laughs> Or like, you know, yeah, just comments on like how the story is going. Even though I wrote it when I was 12. I could always stop telling this story and like tell you guys a different one if you guys aren't feeling it. So yeah, like come through with the comments. Let me know what's going through you guys head. Until next week, bye!